Listener Production. We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast was recorded and pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. You might just feel a little scratch. Sound familiar? It's the line that almost all doctors will say to you as they're about to put a needle into your arm. And for many, it is exactly that. Just a little scratch. But for some, there is nothing little about it. The very idea of having an injection, be it for a vaccination, an IV line or a blood test, is a huge thing. Needle phobia is very real and it is something that impacts adults and children alike. Reports have shown that some people will actually skip a doctor's visit if they know that a needle might be on the cards. And while official numbers are unclear, a large portion of the population have varying degrees of needle fear and anxiety. For these people, the days leading up to an injection or blood test aren't ordinary days. They are days filled with anxiety, bookended by nights where sleep is disrupted. The doctor's appointment itself is a traumatic event where they may pass out or at the very least feel embarrassed or need to bring a friend along to distract them to take their mind off the needle. SmileyScope are hoping to offer some relief to these people who are needing a distraction. Their virtual reality technology is aiming to change how those with fear of needles think about a visit to the doctors. And believe it or not, some kids are even finding they are excited about their next visit to the doctors after using the technology. Hi, I'm Vanessa. I'm mum to Addison and Holly, and both of them suffer from needle anxiety. Hi, I'm Addie and I'm 12 years old. Um, My name's Holly and I'm 10. Do you get to miss out on school today? It's fine because... It was kind of boring sometimes. As you can see, both Holly and Addie are more than willing to come into this podcast with no filter honesty ready to go. They were equally open in admitting that they didn't really like needles. Not really, because they kind of like sharp and it hurts sometimes. They hurt and I kind of get in my head all these random things that could go wrong and then I start like freaking out. Um, like nervous and anxious. Anytime we went to the doctor and there was a potential needle, there was pre-anxiety, some tears, some angry outbursts about not wanting to have it done and why should we have it done and it's going to hurt. So the pre-lead up was quite tense for them. So I kind of started to reduce the notice time. <laughs> and uh, But I also like to keep them informed of what's happening. So leading up to a blood test was even more anxiety provoking for them. Fair enough. I, I think it's not natural to see your blood that's meant to be inside your body come outside of your body. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And the way yeah. it's done with the little suction um, devices that go into the needle and everything like that, it's a bit vampire-y. So, um, yeah. yes. But not in a cute way. Not in like a Twilight or Vampire Diaries way. It's like in a very scary way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an unnatural experience for sure. So in particular with Addison, there would be... Anxiety and tears generally the night before, the morning of. There'd be lots of bribery happening. There was definitely ice cream and sundaes and lollies and toys involved. So I had to (laughs) work on their favourite things and really manipulate the situation to our best advantage. And, yes, generally, you know, in the car park, 
about to head into the doctors, there was a few little meltdown episodes. But, you know, being from clinical background as well, I had Mm. to explain to them how it would happen, what would happen, what it might feel like, what they could sort of try and do to get through it without it being too traumatic for them because, you know, the long-term consequences of fear and anxiety with needles is, is true. If not addressed, there is a very real chance that children who fear needles could become adults who fear needles. Hi, my name's Brendan, and I have an awful irrational fear of needles, doctors, and all things medicine. For Brendan, everything about the medical process leading up to a needle is traumatic. I couldn't even tell you where it started from. I've just always known that I've been afraid of them. It's the nurse, it's the needle going in, it's it's everything about it. Basically, I just, I have to look away... I have to talk to me, make small talk. Um, I don't want to know that it's happening. I don't even want to know that it's finished. I just want to get it over and done with. I've had experiences in the past where two or three nurses have had to hold me down. So where do you think your fear from the needles came from? Can you pinpoint it? It's just always been a thing. My dad's actually the same. We both faint. We both can't deal with it. Um, we get through it, but it's, it's not fun. Do you find that you avoid going to the doctor because of that fear? A thousand percent, yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I would avoid it until it's absolutely necessary and I've got my husband or my family saying, that's it, you've gone too far, you have to go and I'm driving you now. People avoiding doctor's visits due to fear is a major issue and may result in them not receiving the care that they need. It is that fear that Smiley Scope is hoping to minimise. Hi, I'm Dr Evelyn Chan. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Smiley Scope. So SmileyScope is a virtual reality headset and we've developed medical grade uh, virtual reality experiences to help support patients during their healthcare journey. So our flagship product is one that we use for paediatric needles. So it's choreographed to a needle procedure so the child can get prepared for their needle procedure by putting on the VR goggles while we set up our equipment and draw up the vaccine. And then they go on an underwater adventure, which keeps them relaxed and calm. And uh, during the procedure, fish come in and nibble, and that's when we're putting in the needle. And we've found that children are much more comfortable. There's reduced pain and anxiety. And so it's a much better experience for everyone. So what was your reason for starting this company? So I grew up with a um, brother with severe autism. And so for me, caring for him and seeing what he and the family went through in healthcare, it was something that I felt really strongly and passionately about was how do we improve and make those experiences early on the best ones we possibly can. And so, you know, paediatrics was something I naturally gravitated to. That's amazing. That's actually something that we share very similarly because my brother also grew up with autism as well. And I felt my role in his life was always we'd go to the same schools and I'd always sort of had that protective role over him even though he was older than me and it sounds very similar. It sounds like you took that responsibility and that um, that role that you had in his life very seriously and it really changed what you wanted to do. Yeah, I think it, that's amazing that we both have very similar stories. <laughs> I think being yeah. a carer really changes your perspectives, right? You want the best for your your sibling, but you also want the best for your patients in a very similar way. I always wanted to do paediatrics. It was something that I loved and I really wanted to be able to help patients very early in their journey. And when I started to do paediatrics, I found that a lot of kids were coming to me and the first thing they would ask is, 
do I need a shot or that blood test today? And they'd had weeks of worrying beforehand. And so I wanted to provide a really good experience. And I thought virtual reality was a really interesting way because there had been some early research showing that um, VR could help reduce pain and anxiety. And I thought, how can we apply this to needle procedures? And so I worked with about 100 kids and said, where would you like to go if you could virtually escape the procedure room? And a lot of them said they want to go underwater. So we developed this way of, uh, you know, synchronising it so that different things happen and they can reframe and think about that needle procedure differently. Again, so that, you know, fish are nibbling when we're putting in the needle or waves are washing when we're cleaning with antiseptic. So it was a really nice way of bringing together what's actually happening in the procedure and kids can stay nice and still and still be part of that procedure, but also make it a more enjoyable experience. An enjoyable experience. Hmm, Not the description that many parents would probably use, I'm sure, who've had to take a child with a fear of needles to an appointment. Vanessa would always make it a point to ensure that the doctor was aware of the situation. They were pre-prepared for a bit of the needle anxiety and the nurse that worked at the clinic we um, go to, she was a very good at a distraction and a quick injection whilst having to kind of hold uh, the girl's arms down. I always had to have my needle first um, so that they could see that and that it was okay. I didn't turn into a lizard person or anything like that. (laughs) um, Basically, the nurse got uh, down to a sort of system where she would shove a chocolate frog in their mouth at the same time as doing the needle. (laughs) I think every patient is different and every doctor is different as well. So it can really vary. Um, So I think, you know, we've seen some fantastic practices from clinicians where they can do magic tricks or, um, you know, bubbles or ways of distraction. But what we wanted to do was make sure that we could have a consistent response so that, you know, even if you're at the doctor's in the middle of the night or you've sort of at an emergency department in a rural town somewhere that you can still get fantastic procedural pain support. And what we have done is not only do we work with patients, but we also worked with a multidisciplinary team of clinicians and really learnt sort of what are their best practices and weaved those into the experiences that we have at Smilescope. So Evelyn, what can happen if you enter into this environment, in this clinical environment with kids and they're really scared of needles and they start sort of crying and their arms are going everywhere because they're very fearful? What can happen? What are some of the problems that are associated with that? Starting from the waiting room, often it's hard to get the patient in. They're just hiding <laughs> under the table or the chair or, the, you know. Um, in the actual procedure, sometimes children do get very scared and it is about how do you prepare for that. Sometimes it's about asking mum or dad or, or the caregiver to, um, you know, hold them into a comfortable position. We call that comfort positioning. And also we, we sometimes um, need to, to restrain them and have an additional person help support and then very rarely we sometimes have to ask them to to come back another day if it's escalated and they really can't manage it. I would get so scared about potential needle injuries from the clinician point of view. That's has that right. happened to you? Um, it has. I think it's happened to most of us. So Yeah. Um, what do you do? Well, I think, you know, usually there are protocols around needle stick injuries, um, but it is always nerve-wracking for both the, the patient and the family and clinician. Vanessa was very excited and intrigued upon hearing about Smiley Scope. 
An old friend of mine from Mother's Group was actually using it in her clinic here in Victoria. So she had told me all about it, that there was this new virtual reality technology that was designed for kids and she said it was developed by a paediatric doctor um, and that it can guide them through a needle procedure um, in an underwater experience. So my two actually really love being underwater, so it kind of worked out well, their little fish, and it was amazing the difference that it made. Were you just like, what is this wizardry and how can I continue to have this what in my is life? This sorcery, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, ex- it, that was exactly it. I was like, oh my God, this needs to be everywhere. And then, yeah, yeah then throughout the COVID vaccine, it was everywhere. So, it was yeah. very, very handy being able to go to the vaccine hubs and, and have it there. And yeah. that made them feel more relaxed by far about going and getting it done as well. And what was their reaction to first hearing that they'd be able to use this device when getting a needle? Well, they hadn't seen virtual reality before. Explaining it to them, um, how, how it worked and what it looked like and what it might feel like. We watched a couple of different videos and looked at other kids using it and their expressions and what they might be able to see. And... Yes, then when they actually got to try it out, it was mind-blowing. Dr Evelyn Chan would no doubt be pretty happy with that review, but a lot of research went into making something that was going to hit the mark with the kids. Yeah, so I think everything we do, we want to make sure that we're involving the patients who are going to be using it and it's as engaging and as enjoyable and realistic as possible for them. And so all of our products we really develop with the patient involved and in mind. Um, And so we work with them very closely. So we've got another product like MRI experiences where we said, you know, what do you think of when you go into an MRI and it was a donut or spaceship? So we can bring all of those elements in. Vanessa remembers the first time that Addie and Holly used Smiley Scope as a vast contrast to an appointment without the device. So I could hear little um, like sort of wind chimes and this the voice talking about, um, oh, if you look ahead, you might see some fish. And then the nurse in the room was talking about getting them to look at their arm and see um, if they could see a fish on their arm. And that's when she timed the needle as well, when they were sort of looking and engaging that, oh, my God, there's a fish on my arm. And they were like, <laughs> whoa, what? And, um, yeah. Boom, needle done. And then they didn't even realise then. So then they, you know, they're looking at this octopus at the end and take their headset off and they're like, when's, when's it happening? And oh, that's so good. <laughs> done. They put the headset on and there was a penguin and then we went into the like, underwater and there was like coral and starfish and like sea life, I guess. And then the penguin was like kind of the guide. Well, I went virtually underwater and when the needle was going in, there were all these fish and they were like nibbling on my arm. Instead of focusing on the needle, I was just focusing on the fish. Did that freak you out having fish nibble on your arm? Not as much as seeing a needle going into my arm, but it was a lot nicer than being in like a doctor's room and getting a needle into your arm. 
We wanted to make things as easy as possible for clinicians. So what they can do is they can hear it throughout. So there are audio cues and we encourage clinicians to keep talking to the patient and involving them in the story as well. So they might say, hey, there's a little seal bumping into you and and that's when the needle goes in. So they don't need to wear anything additionally. It's just a VR headset that plays the audio. And the great thing is that the parents can also hear as well. So they can also ask and engage and, and keep the child comfortable. So Addie, in the in the latest, in the blood test that she recently had, she used a new program in there. It's a meditation program. Um, and it, Oh, so they're options. Yes. One was by Sir David Attenborough which was amazing. Mm-hmm. But Addie used a garden walk um, and it was this animated pink tree and she walks through the garden. And have you ever, ever heard of box breathing? No, relaxa- what's box breathing? It's a relaxation technique. You hold for four as you imagine a box being drawn and then oh. so you breathe in for four and then you hold for four while you're drawing, imagine drawing the other line and then out for four and hold for four again until you've visually drawn a box. Because breathing's meant to be really good for anxiety, so that might really help. And then there are butterflies everywhere and it's just really, like, relaxing. And it's like like a magical forest or magical tree. There's all these flowers and it's got, like, just some peaceful, relaxing music in the background. And so you just look at the trees and... Look at the stuff around you instead of looking at a needle. Holly had her own favourite. Probably like a cafe one where there's like these ghost creature things like bringing food in a like pretend cafe. That sounds amazing. Yeah. And it, you can go to a cafe. Yeah, it's really cool. What kind of food is it? It's like bread and apples. Are we excited now to come into the doctors and try on the headset? They're definitely keen to see the features that it has again um, yep. and try out the different programs because there's heaps in there. There's yeah. um, lots of different options for them to choose. So, um, yeah, they, they definitely are excited. And even the anxiety at home leading up to an appointment seems to have dropped. They're more talk about what um, what they're going to watch, what they're going to see, what they're going to choose. Of course they'll still think about the needle. Mm. Because that's what's going to happen. But in comparison, the tears for days in advance is not there. So how common would you say then needle phobia is? There's lots of different studies on this, but, um, you know, the numbers vary. What we do know is it's very common. So we think the majority of children have a needle fear probably about 75%, about half of teenagers and even sort of 10 to 15% of adults um, have a fear of needles. So it improves over age. um, But yeah, there's still a lot of people in the community that have quite a significant fear of needles. Even going down to, you know, you go on holidays and you have to go to certain places where you have to get vaccinations, like a yellow fever or whatever, even doing them, it is, I'm going to need you to lay me on the floor I need to look away and I'll, I've passed out every single time I've had the yellow fever vaccination. You sort of get this sensation about a, a minute before you're going to pass out where all of the blood just rushes out of your body and it's as if you haven't eaten in a week. It's so awful and then you just drop to the floor. And, and do you then, still experience that now as an adult? Abs- absolutely, yeah. yeah. Even when I'm laying down, I can feel that sensation coming on. Brendan might be happy to know that his next vaccination hub just might have a smiley scope device in it. 
So we were lucky enough to have a number of the Victorian vaccination hubs uh, use SmileyScope and um, use it on all sorts of, you know, offer it to different patients. So we've definitely had some great stories from adults who who have found it really helpful. And while many adults may benefit from a device like this, a lot of those who would benefit may unfortunately not own up to it. The stigma around needle phobia as an adult seems to still be alive and well. It's quite funny. I have to make it a bit of a joke because I know that it can be a little bit irrational, but it's absolutely a thing. I mean, there's a name for it. Yeah. Um, so I think when I tell people, if I don't make it into a bit of a joke, then it's it's rather embarrassing, really. Um, I know that for my dad, he certainly doesn't really like talking about it with people outside of the family. Sorry, mm. dad. Um, <laughs> so it's it's interesting because I have a bit more of a louder personality. It's easier for me to do that and make it into a joke. Brendan's needle fear, though, has never been a joke to him. And he believes his sexuality played a part in his hesitance to go to the doctors and ultimately may have led him to avoid needles. For me growing up as a gay man, I came out about 15 years ago and back then there was no information online. I certainly wasn't taught about anything at school. Even friends and family didn't really know what to tell me or show me. So obviously that was a really scary thing. And one thing I was told was that you were absolutely going to get AIDS. And obviously at the time that wasn't something you could really live with. So any time I had to go to the doctor, I was beyond fearful that even if I was going in for a toothache, that I would come out with them telling me, you've got AIDS, you are not going to live. So I would avoid going to get a blood test for that reason. And I, I always just assumed that getting a blood test they would basically test you for everything and that's why I would be so fearful I would come out with you know, even anything like cancer, AIDS, anything that's not that nobody wants. It wasn't until I went for my first STI checkup basically that she asked me what I wanted to check for and I said, well, everything. Like, I don't want anything. Just test me for all of it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until then that I realised actually I have to request what, what I want I think that's a really interesting because that's something I've never thought about before. But obviously, someone like yourself, you know, it's a real fear around that. Yeah, that's mind-blowing to me that, yeah. that they, I mean, it makes sense that there's a thousand things to test for, but it is mind-blowing that they don't just test for all of it. Yeah. And do you think that your fear around doctor's needles has changed? You know, what about when you get blood taken as an adult? Yeah, it is getting better. The more needles I get, the easier it does get. But the result and the fear of what could be wrong with me is absolutely still there. So there is no denying that Brendan has a fear of needles, but a quick glance at him revealed something that you wouldn't expect from a person with a needle phobia. Brendan has more than a handful of tattoos. So yeah, I've probably got maybe about 20 tattoos. Um, I've had several piercings and now it's just down to my ears. I'll never do the piercings again because <laughs> um, they hurt. But the tattoos, the 20 tattoos don't hurt you at all? I'll get another 20 today if I could. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though you've got a fear of needles? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. It's a little different uh, when you're getting a tattoo or a piercing because you're sort of getting something exciting at the end of it. Yeah. Um, instead of a health result, good and or bad. I can do tattoos, I can do piercings, albeit painful. I don't like them, but... I like the result of them, so that's always exciting. With SmileyScope, there is something to show from an appointment too. A successful appointment where you get the added benefit of a VR experience. 
That isn't to say that you don't know that you're getting an injection still. So, I mean, you know, they're still aware of it all happening and told that you might feel a little sting, but it's not the overwhelming freak-out session at all compared to... What happened before? Previously. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No bribery needed this time. Yeah, well, that's probably easier for you as well because... You know, coming up with all those different... (laughs) (laughs) Evelyn has put a lot of work into bringing this innovation to life. So I think we've done research from the start and that's probably, as clinicians, we sort of think about that first up. So it really came from how do you develop the product? So we worked with 100 children, really kind of understanding what they'd like to see and how it would all work. We worked with the software engineering team and we also worked with a large group of clinicians to bring out best practices. We then ran it through two large randomised controlled trials. And so that means that um, you're doing research, which you can be randomised to the virtual reality experience or you can be randomised to the standard of care group. And being able to compare those two is kind of the gold standard in terms of research. And so we ran two large trials to understand how SmileyScope would work across a broad range of children in the emergency department and in the outpatient um, pathology lab. And we're continuing to do lots of different research into different areas and working with our partner hospitals to continue growing the products and also the ways it can be used in in other um, medical procedures. So there's this interesting also element, I think, when you do research and something as practical as this, how does that then convert into a clinical setting? Have you had issues with clinicians, for example, harnessing the technology? It's a great question. I think virtual reality, a lot of, um, you know, current technology is, you know, a little bit new and challenging to use. What we did from the very start was because we wanted a tool for ourselves to be able to use. We wanted to make it really, really simple. And so we wanted to make sure it was easy to set up. It was intuitive. Clinicians could just pick it up and use it. But you're right, there are a number of other VR technologies out there which need a research team and, and full support. Um, This was something that from the very get-go, we wanted to um, have deliberate choices to say, let's make sure it was very easy for a clinician in an everyday setting to use. Once we did our research, what we found were clinicians were asking, you know, how can we get our hands on this? And they were using it for really interesting different applications. And so I think at that point, we realised, you know, this was something that should go beyond research and, and just an interesting project into something much bigger and it was that decision that sort of spurred us to go into starting to think about business models and how do we make it sustainable and how can we get it to as many people as we can. So hospitals currently pay for the virtual reality headsets and it can be used as many times as they want on different patients and we wanted to make it really accessible from that perspective. So um, it is, it's pretty affordable and most hospitals are, are buying subscriptions for SmileyScope headsets and we're continuing to expand the use cases. So we started with paediatrics, but we're now working with adolescents and we also have recent content for adults as well, including um, some meditations narrated by Sir David Attenborough. So there's lots oh, of wow. different exciting things that will kind of come out of the different experiences that we have. Evelyn offered some advice for others looking to get into the medtech space. I think it's about just exploring the problem and how you could develop a solution around it. And there's lots of fantastic community around, um, you know, commercialisation of products, 
um, both in in the clinical world and also in industry that can support. So if people have great ideas, I think it's always about talking to lots of people about it and thinking about the potential pathways to get that out there. Do you think the Australian ecosystem sort of supports that? Because I know you've been back and forth to the US. Do you think there's more opportunity in the US and overseas or do you think there's equal I think Australia has a fantastic uh, research and early commercialisation scene. So there's some really exciting opportunities here. And I think the Australian healthcare system uh, enables us to really think about how do we improve quality and how do we advance the healthcare system without having to think a lot about complex payment systems, um, which the US has. Mm. So there's some fantastic benefits from the Australian system. I think the US um, healthcare commercialisation scene is a bit more mature, um, but Australia will get there. There is no doubt that needle phobia is a problem that SmileyScope is working to solve. And Vanessa, Holly and Addie would all recommend it to other kids. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even um, teenagers and adults, anyone could use this really. If I knew I had something like that where I could be outside of the zone of real life, I could easily go to the doctors on my own and really have something like that be done with it and leave and then not have to worry about it. Yeah. I wouldn't need another adult friend holding my hand. Definitely. Yeah? It makes it a lot, like, more pleasant, I guess, and kind of takes your mind off the needle because it makes you, like, calmer and you can't really see it and it's just, like, the fish are biting you. And are you sad you don't get to bribe mum anymore? Yeah. (laughs) Sounds like you did some good deals previously, but I think this is a better experience. (laughs) Yeah. I hope that virtual reality becomes a a larger and larger part of how we we train clinicians, how we support patients, how we provide education. Because when you try in a virtual reality headset, it is much more intuitive to learn and understand things in 3D than it is in 2D and being able to interact with it very much like you would in a real life situation. And so... You know, I think in five to 10 years, we'll be a lot more used to the technology. The technology will have advanced enough to make it much more intuitive to use as well. And I think there's so many exciting applications. If I was a clinician or a GP or anything like that, how would I find or track down one of these devices to put it into my practice? What would I do? Yeah, so where um, you can find out information at smilescope.com um, and one of our uh, clinical uh, sales people will come and support and you can find out about how to use it, be trained on it, and um, it's really easy to implement into clinical practice. And with SmileyScope being good enough for David Edinburgh, I thought I might as well try my luck and see if it was good enough for Zoe Callister. Hey, cool. How easy will it be to get the Beyond the Medicine Cabinet podcast in as part of the virtual reality experience? (laughs) That would be pretty cool. You know, it's definitely possible. We're just about to work with the Guide Dogs Victoria. So have a puppy scene to help kind of relax patients in hospitals. Um, We've been speaking to a couple of magicians about how can we create some magic shows. So, yeah, there's definitely options there. Whatever happens, there is certainly magic on the cards for the future of SmileyScope, with them having recently started moving into the adult treatment space after much demand. With the introduction of four guided meditations, they now have clinicians utilising SmileyScope in mental health, aged care, 
women's health and the autism spectrum disorder space. Some of the vaccination clinics using the Smiley Scope for their disability liaison patients have seen it as a game changer for patients previously unable to be vaccinated without disruption to the clinic. With the tranquility of swimming with seals or looking at a starry sky being the perfect distraction. Some hospitals and clinics are even seeing benefits to caregivers being able to take some time for their own well-being and absorb themselves into a 10-minute meditation or relaxation experience. And with uses in mental health and well-being, pain management and games all in the pipelines for Smiley Scope, just put on this headset for me, might one day replace doctors saying, you might just feel a little scratch. Beyond the Medicine Cabinet is a listener production brought to you in partnership with Kuyon Group. Hosted by me, Zoe Callister-Hakewell. Audio by Kelly Falston and executive producer is Todd Stevens. Listener.